Hello, everyone, and welcome to 180 Mentoring. My name is Terry Krebs, and I'm the host of 180 Mentoring, where I'll be discussing information you can use in day-to-day leadership situations. I'll provide you information in a way that you'll be able to listen to it, use it, and apply it so you can move on to your next leadership success. All leadership examples and solutions are based upon actual events and situations that I've encountered in my 30 years of leading and mentoring. You can find me at 180mentoring.com and 180mentoring at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and I'm looking forward to today's podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to 180 Mentoring. I'm Terry Krebs, and happy to be back here and have you listening. So over the last few weeks, gotten a lot of good feedback about some of the topics that I've been discussing, and but I've had one special request, and that was how or what do I do when I have a crisis situation in my office? It can be work-related, personnel-related, something that's going to impact all of the office. And I thought, well, that's what I'm going to do. This podcast is to discuss that specifically. For me, a crisis situation was always an opportunity to have the team be molded together and really become a solid working functioning team. Because during a crisis, what happens is Everyone sees the real personality and the real leadership traits of everyone on the team because everything is moving in fast forward. Everything is in a hurry. You're working outside your normal boundaries. And it's an opportunity for you as a leader to instill confidence in your team when they see how you handle a crisis. So just a quick story. So many, many years ago in the uh, mid-80s, I was an aircraft maintenance person. I was a weapons loader, and I worked on F-4s. So even in the mid-'80s, the F-4s were an old plane, Vietnam-era fighter jet, and they would break down often. It was not an uncommon thing to have an F-4 come in and not have the landing gear down or something broken where it was going to be really a big mess. One day, we had an IFE, an in-flight emergency that was called out which is when a jet is coming back and it has a severe problem that potentially could be a really, really big problem. So what we would do is we always had the capabilities to go to one of the operational trucks and listen in to what the pilot was saying to see what kind of in-flight emergency it was. I had this plane coming back. It was, uh, the pilot's name was Major Minnick. And uh, in F-4s, there's a front seater and a back seater. So the front seater's the pilot. His name was Major Minnick. And first thing he said was, you know, this is Major Minnick and he call sign and his plane was on fire. That is a big deal. So his plane was on fire. But when he got on the radio, said who he was, said, my jet's on fire. It's engine number one. We've had some severe problems with the left wing. There's a potential that it could fold up. I have pieces of the jet falling off. I'm going to fly the jet back to the runway one eight zero, and I'm going to attempt to make a landing, gear down, put the fire out, 
shut the motors down, get out of the jet. And that's exactly, or pretty close how he said it. Very calm, very cool, very collected. The last thing he said was, is that that was the last radio call that he was going to make, that he was going to concentrate on flying the jet, and he was going to turn over the communications to the backseater, who was some young captain. As soon as that backseater got on the radio, he was speaking a thousand miles a minute. No one could understand what he was saying. And it was, it was almost comical when everything was done because we had no idea what the guy in the backseat was trying to communicate to us over the radio. So here it comes in the jet on fire, like I mentioned before. Coming in, pieces falling off, part of the wing folded up, just a mess. And Major Minnick flew that plane in, touched it down, stopped the jet, put the fire out, shut the motors down. As soon as the motors shut down, the backseater blew the canopy off, jumped out of the backseat, ran down the wing of the jet, jumped off, and ran away from the plane as fast as he could. Slowly and steadily, Major Menick opened up his canopy, crawled out of the jet, slid down the nose, turned around and looked at the jet, patted it on the nose, and then just walked over to the truck. Calm, cool, and collected. Later that day, I had an opportunity to see Major Menick, and he was, you know, a Vietnam pilot, Vietnam veteran, combat guy, small, maybe like 5'3 or 5'4, not very intimidating looking. And I asked him, I'm like, sir, you, you didn't even sound very excited. And he said, well, he said, one thing that I learned in Vietnam was that when you have something really, really bad going on, and there's a situation that you are unsure of, it's something you haven't experienced before, and you're doing the best that you can to work yourself through it, you may only have one opportunity to tell people exactly what's going on, exactly what the problem is, exactly what your plan is, and where they might be able to come and find you if things go really, really bad. So slow yourself down, talk in a voice where people can understand you, and make sure you get that message communicated. And then he wrapped it up with, he said, because no one is encouraged or feels confident by anyone, especially a pilot, who can't keep control of themselves when things are going badly. And that situation with Major Minnick from probably 1986 impacted me and still impacts me to this day. Because I remember who he was, and I remember everything that he did, but I don't remember the guy who came out of the back seat. I, I couldn't even tell you what the guy looked like. But I can tell you that if I was going to follow one of those people, I would follow Major Minnick. So I've always kind of used that as an example of what do you do when you have a crisis situation? How do you handle those situations? And how do you instill that confidence in the people that are around you? So over the years, I always looked, you know, I, I love to read books about leadership. And so a book that I found about leadership, which I'm going to talk about today, is a book called Rules and Tools for Leaders. And it's written by a retired general named Perry Smith. This is a book that I have to this day that I've worn it out. Matter of fact, I've worn it out so much that I actually downloaded it onto my Kindle to make sure I always have a copy of it. And it's something that I referred to all the time when I got into formal leadership jobs or was preparing to take one. I'd read the whole book. It was a quick read, great paragraphs covering lots of topics. But today, 
I want to talk about the one paragraph that talks about how do you lead during crisis situations. So, in the book, there's a crisis leadership checklist, and I kind of want to go through that and talk to you about each one of those things quickly. And then if you want, you can go to Amazon, download the book. Again, it's Rules and Tools for Leaders, written by Perry Smith. Worth the money to buy it. Trust me. So, number one, and I'm not going to number all these but because there's a lot of things. So, the first thing, you need to have a plan that shifts you from the normal operations to crisis management. So, that means when the bad thing happens or the situation occurs, you already have to have some type of plan in place that says, okay, when these things happen, this is the type of work management mode that we go into, whether it means going from your normal everyone works days to having a day and a night shift to having a day, a night, and a mids, anything like that. Who works the days? Who works the nights? Or do you just extend hours? What roles do people have and what do they do? Part of that and what I, you know, what I mentioned, and, and we kind of go to the next step, is about setting up a, a work shift pattern about do you work 12-hour shifts? Do you work 18-hour shifts? How do you do that? How do you overlap those things? Because if you give people the opportunity to kind of raise their hand and say, hey, we got something really, really tough going on, we need some help, and we have all these shifts we have to cover, figure out which shift you want to take, write it on the board, and then we'll go from there. Generally, people just fill those in, whatever works best for them, and really, you want to give them an opportunity to do what works best for them. Next. Make decisions quickly, but responsibly. Crisis situations are very dynamic, move very quickly. You need to be in, at the top of your game and need to be making decisions quickly and responsibly. That doesn't mean that you can't delegate some of that out to people to help you make decisions. Because remember, part of your job is to develop future leaders. Part of that is using these opportunities as those great mentoring events to allow them to grow and to learn and to see how you handle things. You also need to keep everything simple. Short-term goals during crisis situations. Don't give complex directions because everyone is going to be trying to get things done, problem-solving, doing things quickly, so keep everything simple. Be flexible also. This is not a time to do things where you'll be like, it's my way or the highway. You need to remain flexible. Also, don't demand exactness or perfection. This is one of those situations where you can get into that 80% correct mode where you're like, hey, we just need to get close. We need to get it close, but we need to be right on everything that we do and do the best that you can. You have to expect that people are going to make mistakes. Don't overact when they do. Learn from those and adjust and adapt. Remember, we talk about don't be exact. Don't expect perfection because everyone is going to try to be in a hurry. And by the fact that you can talk to people and talk with confidence, you know, like Major Minnick did, you can do those things, and it will allow people to slow themselves down, and the mistakes that may happen at the beginning will stop happening as time goes on. Make sure that you meet with your team, if this is a long-term crisis, like a three or four-day thing, at least twice a day. Have a morning meeting and a late afternoon meeting so that you know where everybody's at, what, what everything is going on, that you can provide tactical directions and tactical input. Make sure that you take care of yourself right? because working 18-hour days over a long period of time can wear you down. Make sure that you're near the action. Right? This is not a time for you to be working from some remote location. In a lot of offices, when there's a crisis situation, if it's a big one, they're going to have some type of remote command center where they are going to say, hey, we need to have the, the primary leader from your office, from your shop, from your division, 
here at the Crisis Center answer questions. I was never a big fan of that. This is a place where you send when you're developing leaders so that they can communicate what's going on with you out in the field. This is a time when your team needs you because these tactical, quick, fast, fast-forward decision-making times is where they need your experience and where they're going to look for you. It really, it's kind of in the same way where the White House has a press secretary. The president doesn't go and brief everybody about what he or she is doing during any part during the day. They have a press secretary that takes care of that. You need to have someone in the same kind of mode. Again, normally someone who is potentially one of your informal leaders, great communicator, someone who knows what you're doing and how things are going that you can call and pass on information so they can pass information to your senior leaders while at the same time you're getting the mission done. Make sure during this time that you set priorities, right? Again, short-term, follow them and pay attention to whether you're getting those things done. Make sure that you thank people often and make sure that you maintain high standards of ethics and dignity. This is not a time where you want to become condescending or one of those people that starts patting themselves on the back or talking bad about people, or using this as an opportunity to show that you're in charge. This is not that time. This is an opportunity for you to help your team understand that you are a leader that they can count on in a crisis situation. Again, back to the jet on fire story. I have no idea who the other guy was. I'll remember Major Menick for the rest of my life. And from that day on, I looked at him differently. I knew nothing else about that person except how he handled that one situation. You know, a big one as it was, but the fact that he took the time to explain to me why he did the things that he did and the fact that he was able to land that jet because we went and looked at the jet when it was all done and no one could figure out, like, how did he do this? And I think maybe the jet knew he was confident and could pull it off. So it decided, like, you know what? I'm going to fly in. I'm going to make this work. Because that's what's going to happen when you're in the field or you're in your office and something goes haywire. Something goes completely badly. And you figure out a way to get your team through it. You figure out a way to get your team through a crisis. You communicate well. You explain things well. You make quick decisions. You do it in a way that people can learn. You Develop people through this process along the way. You stay near the action. You thank people often. You don't overreact when to your own internal issues that you're going to expect that some things are not going to go the way that you expect them to go. Set a great work schedule and put into play the plan that you should have already developed that talks about if we have a crisis situation, this is kind of the work mode that we go into. So take a few minutes. If you have to rewind and kind of go through this, I know that it seems like a lot of information, but I'm going to wrap it up with this. There will be a time when you have a crisis situation in your office. This is an opportunity for your team to grow as a team. It's an opportunity for you as a leader to prove that you can handle things when the stress level is up, when things go awry, when there's a situation that no one's ever experienced before and that you can show that you trust your people by listening to them, giving them the opportunities and being the type of leader that excels. Because in the long run, your 
leaders, and I'm talking you as the leader, your supervisors and their supervisors are going to recognize the fact that you can handle things when the tension level is high. And those are the type of leaders that get picked for the tough jobs that have an opportunity for great success. And that's what this will prepare you for. So again, the name of the book that I'm talking about that you should go out and take a look at is called Rules and Tools for Leaders. It's written by Perry Smith. You can find it on Amazon or at your local bookstore. Take a few minutes, read it. It'll be worth the time. That wraps up today's podcast. Thanks for listening and providing input to today's topic. You can reach out to me at 180mentoring.com and 180mentoring at gmail.com. I'm Terry Krebs and I'm the host of 180 Mentoring. I'll look forward to talking with you soon.